No, it's good. Today we're taking a detour from Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, get them ready. Uh, in fact, you can probably, uh, it'll, it'll take a while to get there, but have it, have it ready. Isaiah chapter 55. Uh, you can flip there. If you're watching at home, you pause the video and grab a Bible. Um, not all of the verses are going to be on the screen today. So we're taking a detour from Matthew uh, for, for this week. As, as I feel the Lord stirring my heart to share some, some direction and, and a word with us today as a church. Uh, and it comes from lots of time spent in prayer for you and in speaking with many in our church. And I, as I speak with many of us, uh, the phrase that I hear most often these days, uh, it just comes up immediately. Is this, It's like, oh, how's it going? Oh, it's just been a really hard year. Like the hard year, that, those two words tacked together are like the phrase that I probably hear most often. It's just been a hard year. And I want to I acknowledge and admit that I too have said this exact same thing so many times. It's true. It's been a really hard year. And we, and we need to have compassion and, and, and support each other in that and, and spur one another on in that and encourage um, it has been a hard year. But today, I want to bring us a word that says we don't have to just say, oh, it's, I feel like so many times the conversation goes, it's been a hard year, and then it ends. Like you have to sit in that place. But we don't. We don't have to sit in that place. We don't have to sit in the mire. We get to go through hard things, and that's okay to feel those things, but we don't get to just sit there. There's more beyond a hard year. The Lord wants, I, I believe with all my heart, the Lord wants to capture our hearts and our attention and our affection in ways that we have never known before. Does the way we engage with Jesus look a little bit different, perhaps, than it did before? In some ways, absolutely but we still serve and love the same eternal God. And he is still just as eager to meet with his people, no matter where you are or what it looks like. I believe with all my heart, because of the words in this Bible, one of the greatest truths that I hang on to, one of the greatest truths is that Jesus is coming back one day. And as Jesus is coming back one day, he is coming back, for a church that is described as his bride. The church is described as his bride. The church of Jesus, it is made up of those people that have forsaken their self-driven, sin-loving life, and they come to a repentance. They come to a repentance and a recognition of their deep need for Jesus. And Jesus is coming back one day for this group of people. This is the church. This is his bride. But what's, what's noticeable to me is he's coming back for one bride. He's coming back for one bride. Quite often we think of being the bride of Christ and we, yeah, it's, it's our culture. We make it such an individual thing, and it's lovely. You need a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. But Jesus is coming back for one bride, and that's the church. Not a whole bunch of individual brides. That's kind of messed up. 
Jesus is coming back for one bride, the church. Let that sink in, the church. And so we all together make up this bride that Jesus is coming for. It's this beautiful picture of this deep, pure love, and it's a great anticipation then of the future. And the word tells us that Jesus is coming back for a bride that has made herself ready. Jesus is coming for a bride that has made herself ready. A bride that intentionally, like on purpose, aligns with and desires the heart and the will of Jesus, the heart and will of God. Uh, His church that the Holy Spirit is working on to purify us um, is, is being made new. And we're looking forward to that day that Jesus does come and make all things new, including our our broken bodies and our selfish desires and all of these things that we still continue to work through. I love the picture of the bride for Jesus' church. Um, It's just such a a profound picture. I, I admit I haven't always really gotten this, and it's hard for us guys sometimes to picture this, but but if we would just get this, I mean, if I think about it, when I married Leah, and I'm going to be sappy here for a little bit, so sorry, hon. When I married Leah, I honestly just, we, we still talk about it, I just could not imagine not spending every day with this woman. When I wasn't with her, I wanted to be with her. And actually, it's our 13th anniversary next week. Um, And I still, I just want to be with my wife and do life together. And it's the same, it's that same thing with Jesus. It's that same thing. He wants his bride. He is passionately in love with his bride. He wants to be with us because he delights in us. He loves us us. And in a way, in this age that we find ourselves in, it's kind of like an awkward (laughs) engagement phase. It's this awkward engagement phase with Jesus and his bride. There has been a commitment, absolutely, but it hasn't been fully completed yet. It hasn't been completed. Uh, I remember, I tell this to all of the young couples, I think I told it to Regan, who's sitting here today, uh, that get engaged. Being engaged is like, keep it short, because it's the worst time (laughs) ever, because you're just so ready to be together, and you just want to live together, and you want, just like, I was living in Morden at the time, we we had like this, that six months of being engaged, I just thought was, was the worst. I was living and working in Morden, Leah was here at Pine Ridge, so we had a couple hours uh, drive separating us uh, through the work week, and so I lived for the weekend. I just wanted to come and hang out with Leah and enjoy our time together. We had a ridiculous restaurant budget. The phone minutes were ridiculous, and I remember many Sunday nights, uh, I would be at the Churchills. Many of you know Grant and Bev. Um, I would be at the Churchills, and we'd be visiting Sunday night because Monday was coming, and I had to go back to work in Morden. And we'd be hanging out way too late. And, um, and just so that we could be together. I remember, actually, um, I had a favorite parking spot, and it was in Carmen back on the way home to Morden. And I would pull in 
to the high school parking lot because it had lights and um, so that I wouldn't be uh, in danger or anything. But I'd pull in there because it'd be like 3 a.m. I just couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. So I'd pull in there many, many, many nights. I would sleep in my Jeep, catch a couple hours, and go to work early in the morning. But the, it was just because I wanted to be with Leah as much as I possibly could. And the thing is, it did not feel like a burden. It did not feel like a burden in those times. I just enjoyed being with her as much as possible. Now, I'm not saying that that is a pattern or a necessarily healthy thing to follow if you're like listening as a young engaged person or a young uh, getting ready to be married person. Not necessarily even responsible, okay? I am admitting that, but get get the heart behind it. What if the church, the bride of Jesus, had that kind of passion and devotion to Jesus? What if we actually, actually wanted Jesus like an engaged couple wants each other's company? Because he wants that. Jesus wants that with us. What if the collective church as a whole, what if we loved with that kind of love? I understand that this analogy, it doesn't mean as much to everyone, because our romantic relationships are are desperately broken. Even the best of them are. But Jesus is 100% committed to you. Jesus wants to be in an intimate, loving, committed, life-giving, satisfying relationship with you. He wants to be in that relationship with you. He wants to know you. And he wants you to really get to know him. Can you imagine if I had just asked Leah to marry me and then I went back to Morden and didn't really talk to her all that much. Maybe once a month I would give her a call and then just we were just waiting for the wedding day. That, that would be awful. That would be just terrible. That's not a healthy engagement. That's not a healthy engagement. We continued to get to know each other more and more and there was this anticipation that built then of that wedding day where we would finally be together for the rest of our lives here on earth. And Jesus, Jesus wants the same with you now. He wants to know you, time with you, with us as the church, his bride. Just like it took time and effort uh, for Leah and I to grow our relationship, so it is with Christ, growing in love for him, spending time with him regularly. like, And we don't even have phone bills. We can just come and talk to him anytime we want. It's amazing. Yes, he wants you that personally. He wants this for his bride, and he wants that for you personally. But it, not just you, his whole church. I think that we've lost this understanding in the church, of the precious nature of the bride of Christ. And as I speak with many coming out of this pandemic, I hear of a people who are weary. And hey, I'm putting my hand up too. People are weary. Some people are just scraping, trying to get by especially in their relationship with the Lord. They're just scraping, trying to get by. I, I, I hear people. I hear people who are frustrated with where their lives have taken them over the last year and a half. When they think of what 
they thought it would be to follow Jesus. It doesn't line up with what it, what it feels like, and they feel let down. Or they, some people are coming out of this, and they feel like it was all just a religious game to them. And in the end, it wasn't worth the effort to try to measure up to Jesus. Oh, that's so not what, it, what this is about. Many, I'd say the majority of people I talk to have backtracked. I don't want to paint a picture that's not true. The majority of folks have shrank, shrunk back in their faith, have backtracked and find themselves then because of, as a result of, of shrinking back from Jesus, have found themselves in a place of shame, have found themselves in a place where they just don't know the path forward. Feeling like you can't come to Jesus after you've neglected him for so long. And that's what I want to pause and say today. Jesus, listen, Jesus is madly in love with you. Jesus has not gone anywhere. Jesus is inviting you to seek him today. He is absolutely set on living forever, forever with a people that are madly in love with him as well. Because he is madly in love with you. You know, I used to feel, used to feel uncomfortable uh, talking about Jesus this way. Um, and it's especially hard, I think, as I said, for guys to grasp this concept. But once I got over my pride and my male ego by the grace of the Holy Spirit, once I got over that, the Lord really began to reveal his love for me in greater and deeper ways. And oh, how I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And no doubt I need much more of this revelation of his love for me and how worthy he is of my love over and over. And, and I just want to keep pressing into that. And I want to keep pressing into that. You know, you guys hear me often, and it's not even planned. I, I quite often will just say, and Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for us. And it's because he's placed this anticipation and this love, and I just want to be with him. These tastes that we get now are glorious and wonderful, and, and you know that I'm leading us to experience Jesus in the present in a big way. But it's because it builds this anticipation of the great day that we're with him forever in perfection. That's where we're headed. It's revolutionary when we get this revelation of Jesus and the bride. When we get this revelation we're not saved. We're not saved just to simply spend the rest of our lives trying to be better people. That's not it. Jesus is in the business of transforming our lives, and he's awesome, and that makes me love him more. We also aren't saved just as a get-out-of-hell-free card, although the free gift of grace that is given when we deserved hell because of our sin, that is massive in scope. But we are fundamentally saved to enjoy Jesus. We are saved to love him. The word says this, this, sorry, John 17, I better go there because I don't want to mess this up. 
<laughs> Where is it? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Nick. Good thing we got a pastor in the sound booth. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Thanks, Nick. That we would know the Father and that we would know Jesus deeply, that is eternal life. That is the point, that we would know him. He's so good and he's so worth it. It's not all about all the other stuff. That is it. We need a vision of Jesus coming back for his bride and that love and that growth in that that we need in this time. We're saved to love Jesus. And that is the essence, actually, of all of the worship, all of the honor and the glory that goes to our God. It's that loving him and that knowing him. And it's in loving him and knowing him that we're transformed anyways. We can't do that on our own. It's in loving and knowing him that the treasures of who he is come alive in our hearts. And we actually want to give him our everything. When we shrink back in our weakness, because we are weak still, when we shrink back in our weakness, we don't need to sit in our shame and hide. That's the plan of the enemy. Hear this today. If that's you, that's the plan of the enemy. And Jesus does not want you to stay there. It's the plan of the enemy to keep you from knowing the love of God and his good plan for a relationship with us. That we would instead... This is the enemy's plan that we would instead live in an inheritance of death. That's what his plan is for you. And that's a natural result of our sin. In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They saw their sin for what it was, and they were ashamed. They hid from God. They hid themselves. And God then, in his compassion, he came to them. But there's a, there's a shame in our recognition of sin. There's a shame in our recognition of, of not acknowledging God as who he is, of choosing our way over his, of shrinking back from loving relationship with him. But because of Jesus, we no longer have to live in that shame because of Jesus. He calls us out of that. We instead can inherit eternal life instead of the death. And eternal life, as we said, is that we would know the Father and that we would know Jesus. He says, Jesus says, he says, I'm committed to you. He says, I want you to run from that life of sin. I want you to just come to me, right? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then actually picking up where we left off in Matthew 12 last week, uh, which we're not going to, the rest of Matthew 12 we're going to skip over, uh, so you can read that on your own this week. But Jesus, uh, he keeps his ministry rolling, coming out of where we were last week, and, and he's healing. And Matthew points out the prophecy about Jesus from the book of Isaiah, when he says, a bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. This is speaking of the Messiah. A bruised reed 
He will not break. A smoldering wick he will not quench. There are so many right now that are smoldering, that are just bruised and damaged, and their relationship with Jesus is just broken. Maybe you messed up time and time again. Your passion for the things of God are dwindling, almost non-existent. You don't want to commit to anything. Maybe you're wondering if you can, maybe even if you should, keep going down this path with Jesus. Will you be accepted? All these questions. Yes, the answer is yes. You will be accepted. You should keep going down this path. Jesus is committed to you. Jesus is committed to his church. He will not leave you. He will not break you in your weakness. He will not snuff out that smoldering wick. He will, he will, by every means possible, if we would respond to him, to use that imagery, he will try as much as we let him to fan that smoldering wick into a burning bright flame. A flame that burns with a passion for Jesus. He invites you. He invites you out of that place of brokenness. And he invites you out of that to more, to humble repentance first before him and to freedom. He doesn't come and you don't have to come worried about getting beaten down by this God. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. But it requires that we would do something on our part. He invites us to a strength and to a life and to a dining in his presence. And it requires one thing, that we would seek him. All over the word, it tells us to seek the Lord. And so that means that there are times where he is going to be, to us, distant, that we are going to have to actually try to find him. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. We have a responsibility to seek the Lord. Any good relationship has this two-way desire. He wants us, and he wants us to want him, to come to him. Are you waiting for him to come and just fix everything for you? That's not a healthy relationship. Are you offended? Sometimes I've heard people offended because... Jesus just hasn't come and fixed all the circumstances yet, so you, you pull back from him. But that's only hurting yourself. Jesus has invited you into the process to seek him, to seek him, and then he expects that you come. So if you're in that place today where you're, you're, you're in that place where you think maybe you're too far gone, there's no way up from here, you're just feeling shamed, and you just feel the shame, and you just want to sit there. That's the enemy. Jesus calls you out of that. You are not too far gone or too shameful as Jesus calls you to himself. Not a chance. Scripture is so clear. I'm going to throw this up on the, on the slide here. Scripture is so clear that we can boldly come to the Father, not on our merit. It has nothing to do with you but by the authority of Jesus and the work done for us on the cross. You can check these passages out on your own. 
the prophet Hosea, he has a word for, for Israel in his writing that I believe, we've, we've addressed it before, I believe it's a word for us at Pine Ridge for the months ahead. As we get together and as we navigate what kingdom community looks like in the post-pandemic era, where opinions abound, um, we cannot do this on our own. We need Jesus. Guys, the world is in a place where, I've spoken about it before, where they are doing their best to try to get you angry at somebody. The world is angry. We're so polarized and divided, but not the bride of Christ. Not a chance. We are united under the blood of Jesus Christ. We need his priorities. We need his love in us, first and foremost, to be the church he calls his bride. We need to seek him first. If there's any, we, we'll just make a rule here. If there's going to be any fighting over vaccinations or no vaccinations, I know I've just offended a whole, like two whole groups of people. Guess what? The bride of Christ needs to seek Jesus above all things. We are not going to let those things divide us. We are going to honor each other. We're going to honor our government. And we are going to love people, period, as we seek the Lord. This is not, I just see families are being torn apart over these issues. This is not going to happen in the church of Jesus. It's not going to happen here. We're going to love each other. Amen? Okay, good. Sorry, that was a side. Hosea, back to Hosea. Here's that verse. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground. Some of us have just, we haven't been growing in the Lord. We have fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Get right with God. Live in step with the spirit of righteousness. Break up the hard soil of your heart. Seek Jesus. He's there. He's calling. He's waiting that he might come and reign his righteousness, which is perfect, upon you, upon your heart. But how do you break up the hard soil? How? It's that. It's seeking the Lord. Take that step. Humble yourself to wait on him in the quiet places, making time for those times of, of that refreshing rain of his presence and his peace to come again. In the busyness and in the overstimulated, honestly, culture that we live in, even in our quarantine, I mean, we have, we have endless distractions, TV and internet and all those things. Um, the quarantine hasn't been a time, like people talk about all the extra time we have. We just filled it with other junk. We need to learn the art of seeking the Lord. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are around you. We need to learn this. And this means that there's something for us to do. This means the bride of Jesus, and now I'm looking at Pine Ridge specifically, praying, seeking, waiting, and experiencing his refreshing as we fix our eyes on Jesus. And we do this in worship. We do this in prayer. 
We do this in waiting together. And we do this by just absolutely soaking ourselves in this word. It is time. It is time to seek the Lord, church. It is time to seek the Lord. No, no more sitting in our shame. Jesus calls you to himself. Don't stay there. But how do we seek the Lord then? I know it's hard because sometimes you just feel paralyzed. Like so many do, right? Just feel paralyzed with the shame and the apathy and the feeling like you've been adrift lately. Jesus says, it's, it sounds good to, too good to be true maybe, but Jesus says simply to come. He says simply, come. Come to me. Not, he doesn't say that because of anything but his compassionate love for you. Right in that place. Okay. You had your Bibles for open to Isaiah 55. We're going to get there. It was more than just one verse. Sorry. We're getting there. You ready? Isaiah 55. Okay, starting at the top. If it helps you just to close your eyes and, and, and really focus on these words, please do so. It says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, everyone who thirsts. Do you, do you actually, there, there's something. You can't even thirst for the Lord without him doing something in you. Do you still, if you're feeling like, ah, oh, I just messed up too much, I, and you're just not sure where to go, if, if you're thirsty, just come. Just come. It's free. Come, buy, and eat. This is where our life is. Come, buy wine, and milk without money and without price. We thirst and we need water because that's our life source. And then Jesus says, come and get wine and milk, which is free. Milk, that, that process of maturing as young, young babies need that milk to grow. And that wine, which is just that fellowship and that pleasure and that celebration of being with Jesus. And it goes on in verse 2. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. What are you doing with the other stuff? Come to Jesus. Just like I would be willing to get only a couple hours of sleep before I went to work. Just to spend time with Leah when we were engaged. Just pour yourself into seeking and coming to Jesus. It is worth it. He says, incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Come to Jesus. And, and, and if we're going to incline our ears, if we're going to hear him, we're going to have to stop and be quiet for a moment in order to do that. And he will make with you a covenant. Same word that we use in marriage. A covenant that is sure, that forever covenant. Just as sure as that forever covenant he made with David, which was realized in Jesus himself. Let's skip down to verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him 
while he is near. There, there is a time to seek the Lord when he is near. We do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit and harden our hearts to the point where we won't even want to come to Jesus anymore. The time is now. If you have that pull on your heart, if you're feeling that you do indeed want to know Jesus more, now is the time. Now is the time. It says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. You, get, you hear that word return? It's not like don't just come to me the first time. Return to the Lord. You knew the Lord. You walked away and you can still return. You're invited to return to the Lord that he would have compassion on you to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. But you need to forsake the way you were going, the things that took the place of Jesus in your heart. You need to come to him first and foremost. We know these verses. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, verse 8. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. I just pause there and think in the context. We do not have thoughts that we have messed up and we're sitting in our shame and we've shrunken back and we've backslidden in this season. Our thoughts are not, oh yeah, I can just come to the king of the universe and everything's going to be fine. That's not how our thoughts go. But Jesus' thoughts, God's thoughts are come to me, return to me, and I'm going to abundantly pardon you. Because I'm a good and gracious king. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts because he's a gracious God, a gracious king, not a condemning God and a condemning king. He's calling us to himself to seek him. To seek him. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. If you seek the Lord, you're spending time in his word, hearing him, waiting upon him. It is life. It is life. And you will experience the Lord. It shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And he has sent his word that we would have life, that we would know him. And then get this, we seek him, we forsake our evil ways. It says, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. These are what is going to come out of this. This is the natural outflow of coming to Jesus, coming to the Lord in this way. It says, The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. It shall make a name for Jesus. The way we get to experience all this love and beauty and pure relationship with God himself, it makes a name for him. It causes us to worship him above all else. So seek the Lord. 
We're going to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord, and we're going to do this together. I know it's like, what, together? We don't even know what that is anymore. But we're going to do this together, and it's going to take commitment. It's going to take a commitment from every one of us to love God first and love each other. It's going to take a commitment to sit in what might be awkward at times and what might seem foreign at times, but it's because we're going after one thing, and it's the Lord. It's Jesus. We're going to do this together. And we're going to grow in a passionate love of Jesus that we would throw aside hindrances first, and then we would throw like aside just our inhibitions. As I said, that for me, it was that male ego and that pride, like we can't do this. But no, just get, get rid of that. Be free from that in the name of Jesus. Deal with sin and then those heart desires and all of those lesser things. Take and make time for Jesus as first and foremost in your heart, not your agenda. We're not going to crowd our heads then with, with the political arguments or arguments about whatever that would distract. There's so many distractions, guys. There's a, there's a lot of conspiracy theories and things out there. The greatest conspiracy is the one against your soul from the enemy. That is what we need to be aware of. And the greatest truth is that Jesus is always good and always loving, and you can always come to him. Don't get distracted with lesser things. Seek the Lord. And as the hymn writer penned, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Right? We know this. And the things of earth will then grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So we'll encourage that here as we look to the future and start now right where you are. As, a, as we look to the future here at the church, that means not allowing programs or events to get in the way of the, of the gazing upon Jesus. The programs and events will all be focused towards gazing upon Jesus. His word, his goodness, he himself. Each program and event must have that as the end goal. Gazing upon the wonder of Jesus. And I'm really looking forward to being able to do that together. <laughs> I hope that you can hear the crying at home and you feel as welcome into this sanctuary as we all do. <laughs> it's time to wrap up. Let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, when I think of this picture that you gave in many places of the bride and the groom, I think of just something that, that this understanding that's just going to unlock for us something, something beautiful here. Jesus, would you give us a greater depth of revelation of what it is to be the bride of Christ? as we committed to this thing together, as we're committed to you together. Jesus, I pray that you would be breaking chains of shame and condemnation all over the place right now. That we would hear your word to come, to simply come and buy and eat without price. That you have compassion on us and you'll, you will abundantly pardon 
that we would come and we would just admit our hang-ups, admit where we've gone wrong, and get rid of that, not hang on to it any longer. Oh God, we thank you for your grace, that your ways are not ours and that your thoughts are not ours because yours are so good. Lord Jesus, I thank you. And I pray for the church at Pine Ridge. I pray for a first love revival in our hearts that would transform everything about us into the image of Jesus as we gaze upon you. Thank you, Lord, for this time.